Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello. This episode is brought to you as part of Wanted Design Manhattan Online, a conversation series presented with Design Milk and Clever. Each day from May 11th to the 22nd, 2020, we'll feature design dialogues, including new episodes of Clever and engaging live conversations with very special guests. To view the schedule and register for events, head to wanteddesignnyc.com slash online. That's wanteddesignnyc.com slash online. The thing that I understood working with Japan, it was really you have to follow all the projects like babies, from the first idea to the final uh, concept to the final project. Hi, everyone. I'm Amy Devers, and this is Clever. Today, I have the pleasure of bringing you this talk with the legendary Giulio Capolini. Trained as an architect, he's most renowned for being the visionary art director of international contemporary design house, Capolini. Capolini was started as a wood furniture and case goods manufacturing company by his father in 1946. And when Giulio made his move into the family business around 1979, he did so with an eye for fresh avant-garde design and a vision for a global brand. Fast forward 40 years, he's carved a serious reputation as the design talent divining rod, having discovered and launched the careers of a slew of notables like Jasper Morrison, Tom Dixon, Mark Newson, Nendo, and many others, while also defining eras of contemporary design with his bold curatorial perspective and instinct for eternal statements. He's passionate, curious, and optimistically focused on the long view. Here's Julio. I'm Giulio Capellini and I live in Milano and I'm an architect, designer and art director. My main job is uh, to work as an art director in a Capellini company that was in the past the family company. And now I'm taking care of the art direction and also I like to take care of uh, design schools and uh, to write books or articles for different uh, magazines about design and also have the art direction of some few other companies in bathroom accessories and lighting. That is a full life, Julio. Can we go all the way back to the beginning? <laughs> um, I know you were you were born in 54 in Milan 
And uh, I always like to get a sense of how you got to be the adult you are by going through the formative years. Will you tell me about your childhood and what kinds of things captured your attention when you were a little boy? Yes, because, you know, when I was just a little boy, okay, we had already the family business that was a very, very small family company with only 10, 12 workers doing furniture, not design furniture, just furniture. Till when I was um, really very, very young, I started to smell this kind of atmosphere. And I was always very attracted by Lego or by the construction and so so. And uh, so creativity was for me very, very important, not to work with colors, to draw, and so and so. And that was uh, really my first, uh, and the most important things for me. And also, I like very much to build uh, small models of maybe houses or small architectural projects, and that's it. My other passion was cars, mm. and I'm still very passionate about cars, and also my son is very, very passionate about cars. And so, really, it was just my passion. But really, it was uh, for me very, very important. In fact, uh, you know, also speaking about cars, for me, it was maybe more important the shape, the beauty of a car more than the engine, mm -hmm. you know. That's why I was uh, in love with the cars, beautiful cars of the 50s, of the 60s, and so and so. Growing, uh, I was more and more interested in, uh, I start uh, to look and uh, to read books about the big masters of design and of architecture. This one, this thing is most till when I, I was 13, 14 years old. I started to, to read books. I was really very, very attracted by contemporary design and contemporary architecture because for sure I had the maximum respect for what was old or antique, but I was definitely more and more attracted by what was new. And later on, I was also very, very attracted by contemporary art. But this happened when I was 18, 20 years old. And so really, I was a great fan. I'm still a great <laughs> fan of pop art and so and so. So I was really very, very attracted from the artistic side of life. So, so can you tell me, do you have siblings? What was the family dynamic like? And were you being sort of groomed to go into the family business? Or did you always want to? You know, I was studying architecture at the Politecnico di Milano, and uh, I was very lucky because uh, during my university, I had the possibility to work for one year at the Joe Ponti studio. And as you know, you know, Joe Ponti is one of the most important artists, architect, designers that uh, we had in Italy. And at the time, Joe Ponti was still alive, and we were just a small group of uh, young students, uh, two from Italy, one from Switzerland, one from Germany one from Japan and so and so and so every afternoon we are working with Mr. Gioponti and he was showing to us all the projects that he made in the past and also gave to us themes on which to work so for me it was an incredible school but my idea doing the architecture faculty at the Politecnico di Milan it was just to be an architect you know at that time uh, the university we had really it was just an hot period we had a lot of strikes and so and so and so I started just uh, to help the family business but really just to win few money and that's it but my idea my concept it was really to 
be an architect or a designer, but not to take care of the family business. But, I, you know, at the time I was very, very young and one evening I was drunk and I told to my father and my mother, so I decided to go ahead with the family business. And I was again very lucky because my father, he looked at me and he told me, okay, if you take your risk, go ahead. And so I started to enter in the family business. I'm very curious because mm. this was a very pivotal moment in your life. What? Why do you think when you were drunk, you, you said this to your father? Because you clearly had been thinking about it and maybe it took getting drunk for it to come yeah. out. <laughs> yes, you know, I mean, we, I, I'm joking just a little <laughs> bit this, about this. But, you know, frankly speaking, is that working into the family business, I was already passionate about design. And also if at that time the Capellini brand was not a, a, a design mm-hmm. brand, I was thinking that really we can grow and we can... You were scheming. We can try to do... You, you, you had a plan. Yeah, yeah, because my idea again, it was that was the main concept of the beginning of my job at the Capellini company. It was that looking at the time, you know, the Italian design was really famous, very famous in the world because we are at the beginning of the 80s, mm-hmm. no? And for sure, this is a fantastic phenomena that started in the 50s with on one side at the time a small group of designers like Giapponti, like Achille Castiglioni, like Vico Magistretti, Ettore Sozzas and so. These people, they strongly believe in design. And on the other side, a small group of entrepreneurs like Mr. Bosnelli, Mr. Cassina, and uh, Mr. Gandini from Floss, who really believe in design like a new form mm-hmm. of business. And so this small group of people, they create this fantastic, incredible phenomena. But, you know, I was thinking when I start to work into the family business, I say, okay, I was telling to myself, okay, Italian design is really very important. On one side, Italian designers, on the other side, Italian entrepreneur. But uh, I was thinking that, okay, something is happening in the world. I cannot think that uh, we can find uh, good, uh, interesting designers only here in Italy. Mm -hmm. And so I started to travel in uh, Europe, in France, uh, in England, and after in North America, after in Japan, and so so I started to meet uh, young designers at that time, totally unknown designers like Jasper Morrison, Tom Dixon, Mark Newson, and many, many yes. others that uh, they, they were at the first project. And so they started life in uh, our business with, uh, with me. The idea no, to create a new concept of design, to maintain to defend the quality of the Italian production on one side, but on the other side, really to try to work on, when I can see, an international design. Anyway, looking at the DNA of the different designers, because for sure, for me, it's very, very important to understand that in a certain moment, I'm working with a person that is coming from Japan or from England or from North America or from France and so and so. Uh-huh. And so I start with this idea, uh, with this uh, new project. And okay, step by step, I met uh, really very, very interesting people. And 
I always say that uh, for sure in my life I had really the possibility and I still have the possibility really to meet uh, incredible people and they can be maybe very well-known old designers or they can be very, very young students or young designers at the beginning of their career. You know, for me, really these meetings with people are absolutely very, very important. This sort of cultural contamination with people coming from different parts of the world and this sort of friendship that you can create with the designers is really something fantastic because as I always say you cannot do a good project if there is not the, the good relationship between a designer, myself and the team of the R&D at the Capellini or in another yes, company. So- I want to ask you about all of these relationships. And I also want to understand when, when you had set your sights on taking over the family business and you had a sort of progressive curatorial scheme brewing in your head, did you see the family business as, I know you had an idea where you wanted to take it. Did you feel any resistance or was it fairly fluid? And did you already have relationships with designers that you wanted to work with? Or did that come as you were taking the reins at Capolini? At the beginning, okay, on one side, my father gave me really a lot of freedom to work. But on the other side, you know, again, at the time, Capellini was a very, very small company. And the Capellini was selling all, all only in few areas, if you see this in north of Italy. And so I started to export. I remember that at the beginning, uh, you know, my father and my mother, they were saying, to, no, but why you have to sell to Germany, to France, you're crazy and so. So I remember that I didn't eat for 10 days <laughs> till when they gave to me the possibility, you know, to do what I like to do. You know, when I want something, I really want time. Menarius, and really, I'm quite uh, strong <laughs> from this point of view. You said you're an Aries? Oh, I can see this. <laughs> and you know, I have to say that uh, starting from the beginning, it was really a fantastic period because, okay, many of the designers, I was looking to them, but after um, friends of those designers and so and so, so I can say that really. All the designers of that time, they had the contact with Capellini, for sure. With some of them, we, we arrived to make products. And so with some of them, we only made uh, prototypes and not products. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that it was really in the 80s, in the 90s, a fantastic period. Because uh, I can say that it was incredible in this, at that time, small company in uh, north of Milano to have these people, young people coming from all over the world. And at the same time, Time, you know, the company grows. That means that from 10 workers, we arrived to be 250. So the company grows a lot and we start to export worldwide. But really, I have to say that uh, something happened because I think it has to happen. That means it wasn't really part of a scheme that I, I really made, mm. you know, because I'm really very instinctive in my, my choices. And really to say that uh, everything happened based maybe on my uh, passion for my job and based on the passion of the, all the people that I had the possibility to meet at that time and so and so. But it was not just a 
precise scheme to say, okay, now Capellini is uh, 10 workers, I want to arrive to uh, 200, now Capellini is selling only in Italy, I want to arrive to sell worldwide and so, and so No, something happened step by step in those uh, 15, 20 I, years. I understand what you're saying. Instead of uh, being really premeditated, what you're saying is you were responding to very intuitively, very instinctually to the climate of the world and, and very agilely. I mean, I think uh, <laughs> the agility and the – you have a very – distinct point of view. And I guess maybe the Aries nature means you are very confident in following through on that distinct point of view, would you say? Yeah, you know, I have to say that for me to be passionate about my job and the enthusiasm is really the most important thing. And also today, that for sure I'm older, I'm not, we are no more in the 80s or in the 90s when there is a new project, and not only just a new project about a product, but a project of communication, a project for a, for a show. And so, and so for me, every time is like something new, it's like an examination, it's like uh, a new baby, you know, and uh, really, because the thing that I understood working with Japan, it was really you have to follow all the project like babies from the first idea to the final uh, concept to the final project. And so really for me, I can say that uh, really, okay, unfortunately this year we don't have the design week and the salon mm -hmm. and the mobile, but normally, you know, okay, we work a lot to do new products and, and so, but starting from the end of uh, December, starting from the beginning of January till April, for me, there is not uh, Saturday, Sunday, and the work. I still work now, maybe 14, 15 <laughs> hours per day, because uh, uh, really, you know, we have to try to always do better what we made in the past, and that's it. <laughs> you, you've mentioned relationships being a critical part yeah. of, of your the way you work, and also you just said following the project through like babies, which makes me get the impression that you and the designer work together like co-parents in many ways. Yeah. Can you describe the way that you form these relationships or the way that you understand when they're going to work? Yes. First of all, you know, the relationship with each person is completely different, mm -hmm. no? Because the approach to design from, one, for example, the approach of Jasper Morrison is different from the approach of Nando, the approach of Nando is different from the approach of the Burulek brothers and so on. I think that first of all is respect and second is really to establish a strong relationship because in the respect of the DNA of the designer, so the designer has to understand what the one company, what the company can do or cannot do and really we as a company we have to understand what the designer can give to the company. So I, uh, I always say that I like to work on a global concept, on a global project. Mm -hmm. no? And my role as an art director of the company is really to create a, this sort of fil rouge that connect the different uh, spirit of the different designers. Because, well, you know, when you look at the Capellini catalog, you can see really very, very different mm -hmm. approach to design. Mm -hmm. Morrison that is very minimal, Sandro Mendini that uh, is uh, with a lot of decoration and so, and so or maybe someone that is more organic and so so I think that really to create this what they call this uh, sort of global project is really very very important and anyway the relationship with the designers is uh, for me something that is uh, the most important thing again if there is not the much 
maximum respect and there is not a good relationship you cannot arrive to do a good product because you know sometimes it takes a lot of time from the first idea to of the designer to arrive to the final product and sometimes you have to change many different things so this means that we have to work years or months together and if there is not this sort of feeling is became really very very mm-hmm. difficult to arrive to the final product and I think that again this is very important and another thing is that you know, I like to work with many different designers. Most of them are now historical. The relationship with Capellini is maybe 20, 30 years yes. old. But, uh, you know, each designer working with Capellini, they know what I'm doing with the other designer. And uh, for sure, with some designer like Nind or Jasper Morrison, we do one, a new project every year with some others. Maybe take two, three, four years to make a new project and so on. But again... Really, I think that uh, uh, for me, the most important thing that all the people, all the designers that uh, have been working or the works for Capellini, they have to feel uh, to be part of a family. And uh, again, so there really, again, is a problem of relationship. I think the family metaphor is actually perfect because I'm thinking about the Capellini catalog. And you're right. They're all very different. They're very distinct individual personalities. Each one of those projects are babies, but they all share a family resemblance, right? There is something in the DNA that comes from within Capellini. And I think that's what makes it work. Yeah, because I think that, you know, we can speak about uh, innovation in many different ways, Mm -hmm. because innovation can be in terms of shapes. Also, if I always say that... uh, Really, maybe the most beautiful shapes have already been done in design in the 50s or in the 60s, but innovation can be just in use of new technologies, new materials, new production systems, and so So, really, again, the relationship with not only with me in the mm-hmm. company, but all with, the, with all my team and the designer, it's really, this sort of friendship is really very, very important. Sometimes you see the same designers He's doing maybe for a pro- for a company a project that fits perfectly in the catalog, and with some other companies that maybe products that they fit fifty or seventy percent in a catalog. But this is not a problem of the designer; it's the problem of the company, because mm-hmm. maybe at that time the company is not able to establish the right uh, relationship with the designer. Mm-hmm. And it takes time; eh? it takes time, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, when you establish this relationship, at the end is uh, for for the life, I can say. You have a very instinctual way of working, but you've also taken some some great risks over the course of... Absolutely. Always and still. Describe for me your risk-taking personality and what compels you to take action. From my point of view is that, you know, to take risk, it means that when I strongly believe in one person or in one project, I want to do and I push to do that. That means I don't want to be just a marketing victim. Because mm. sometimes, okay, marketing I have maximum victim. respect for the marketing people. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, sometimes too much marketing kills creativity. Mm-hmm. You have to de- 
defend your ideas. And again, sometimes when you work on a project that is really very, very innovative, it takes time to enter in the market. Anyway, as I always say, we are not producing uh, uh, fresh pasta. <laughs> that means that uh, if it's not successful in uh, one month, you have to throw away. Sometimes, you know, with some new projects of maybe also new unknown designers, it takes years to enter in the market. But again, if I struggle in that, I try to defend this project um, as I can. And this is, again, to take risk, is to take risk, maybe, uh, again, to make prototypes, prototypes, and maybe if uh, the product is, doesn't fit well in the Capellini collection, to say, okay, no, we stop, maybe we keep this product and we can sell this product, or maybe we can rethink to this product next year and so and so. And, you know, I think that uh, you can really do this uh, if you strongly believe in what you are doing. If you don't strongly believe in what you are doing, you say, okay, this can be good, can be good, we have to check the, uh, the reaction of the market and so, but mm-hmm. no, I think that uh, really, again, uh, if you want to create something new, you have always, always, always to take risk. And anyway, you know, the first generation of Italian entrepreneurs, again, fifties, they took a lot of risks working with the, the innovative ideas of uh, those young designers Mm -hmm. and anyway they built a fantastic phenomena that is the Italian designer, the made in Italy and that's it Yes, Mm. and in terms of steering Capolini, you've made some pretty astute decisions to reach a larger world market, so you've grown you've scaled the company and then you've also joined the Poltrona Frau group which is now owned by Hayworth and that opens up a lot of markets for you. Yes, because, you know, I think that uh, really the big problem of most uh, of the Italian design companies is that uh, these companies, they are very well known worldwide. They, have, they are published by all the design magazines. Uh, they have products uh, in permanent collection of design or uh, art museums and so and so but uh, at the moment they are too small to be in the global mm-hmm. market because again today the market is the world so when we decide to enter into the poltrona frau group it was first of all at work with the with company with a different council because i have the maximum respect of poltrona frau but poltrona frau is more classic cassina is more modern and capellini is more contemporary so not to create the supermarket of design and not to overlap the, the, the collection because mm-hmm. this is very, very important. Also, if we are part of the same group, each company has to be its own identity, its own DNA. Mm-hmm. And second, really entering and at the beginning, okay, we were um, supported by a financial group, by Mr. Montezemol, and after we became public at the stock exchange and after we entered in the big uh, Hayworth family. But I have to say that before, to enter in this family Hayward was uh, since few years mostly for Cappellini more than for, than for Poltrona Frau or for Cassina Hayward was the first customers worldwide customers worldwide for Cappellini because they select uh, some of the products of the Cappellini collection that they can fit in contract business for lounges, uh, hotels, restaurants and so, and so so the relationship was already strong and for sure now that you know the contract market it's really very very 
extremely important because uh, what they call the new countries for design that can be Middle East or Far East is more easy, and also North America, is more easy to sell a design product, a Capellini product, maybe for public spaces mostly than for residential spaces. And so this uh, to be with Hayward help uh, has a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, today I have to say that really 70% of the market of Capellini is with contract, with the lounges, with the hotellerie, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so and so. so. And also I have to say that you know, I'm alone. And the idea to enter in, in the in the Poltrona Frau group, it was that I didn't want to push my kids to do my job. I always told them in the past also, you know, if you want, <laughs> follow me. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, you are free to do whatever you want. In fact, I have, you know, my daughter's one, she's a lawyer, uh-huh. and the other one, she's uh, in uh, fashion business in marketing, and she's in Paris and so. And I've also son Giovanni that again he was very passionate about cars and after he turned to design and at the moment because he's young he's 25 years old he's doing his own experience at the Piero Lissoni studio because I say okay in the future if you want to work with me you are welcome but for the moment you have to walk with uh, your own legs no I've really to, to think to the future for sure for me you know again Cappellini is my baby Cappellini is my mm-hmm. life but I have to think that uh, I kill Cappellini if I don't think to the future of Cappellini without me you know uh, so we have really to try to create a good team and I have to say that the nice thing that for example in marketing research in uh, communication at Cappellini I have people that are working with me since twenty. 30 years, no? So, you know, uh, they get uh, the sort of virus, this Cappellini, <laughs> and this is very important because they understand me and, you know, I understand that it's very, very difficult, you know, to work with me because I'm asking the maximum to myself and I ask the maximum also to the people that are working with me. Sometimes I arrive in the evening and I'm so tired and they say, okay, these things is good like this. But if I'm not 100% convinced the day after at seven o'clock in the morning, you know, <laughs> I say, no, we have to change again. <laughs> and for sure, now being part of a, of a big group, I have also to follow some rules, no? Because, yeah. uh, for example, in Aworth, uh, they are used to decide what to show in a fair, in an exhibition, six months, eight months before. And for them, it was crazy that Giulio, <laughs> the, the night before <laughs> the opening of the Salon and Mobile, decided to change the color of a cabinet or of a couch <laughs> or a table. That I told them, that's me. You know, if I, for months, I decide that it was good to present that sofa in blue, but then I before the Sun and Mobile, I think that it's better to present in red. We have to turn from blue to red and that's it. But again, it's a problem of respect, no? And I really have to say that I'm super happy to work with uh, the Hayward family. They are super Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Clever is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. A recent episode took Brad to Venice, where he connected with Eve Ubelman, a partner whose company Econem has developed a game-changing technique for creating digital architectural models so comprehensive they've been dubbed twins. During the relative quiet of the pandemic, even his team used drone-captured photography and powerful AI to create a full-scale digital twin of Venice, a city threatened by climate change and over-tourism. On Tools and Weapons, Eve tells Brad how he's using this incredible technology to help preserve some of the world's most endangered cultural heritage sites in pristine detail so they can be studied and appreciated for generations to come. To stay current on some of the most innovative people working with AI today, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, clever listeners, we're getting excited for New York Design Week in May. This year will be better than ever. ICFF, North America's leading platform for contemporary design, will take place from May 19th to the 21st at the Javits Center in New York City. I'll be there, and I'm excited to let you know how Clever is collaborating with ICFF for Launchpad at Wanted, formerly known as Wanted Design Manhattan, and the Emerging Designer Showcase. Launchpad is an international platform for emerging designers that introduces new concepts and showcases prototypes of furniture, home accessories, and lighting. It is the best place for manufacturers to meet new designers, discover fresh ideas, and potential products to develop. The best of Launchpad winners will be selected by a jury of renowned industry professionals, led by yours truly. And they will go on to be featured in another edition of the popular Emerging Designers Showcase. I'll be leading the Emerging Designers Showcase live on the talk's main stage, where the five Launchpad finalists will have a chance to present their projects to our esteemed panel of professionals. It's always a really good time. So mark your calendars for Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. Both Launchpad and the Emerging Designer Showcase are presented with media partners Clever, that's us, and Design Milk, and with support from American Standard and Lumens. Visit icff.com to learn more and register to attend. Those are the letters icff.com. Come by and say hi. I would love to see you there. Support for Clever comes from Wix Studio. Instead of reading you another, let's be honest, boring ad script, Wix Studio just sent me this wild-looking Alice in Wonderland-themed website to scroll through and tell you about. So, whoa. This is not the web I'm used to. There's something called Mouse Parallax, which makes it feel like you can go deeper into the screen. And as I scroll down, it's like I'm falling down the rabbit hole. And things are moving in depth and perspective. Even my cursor has morphed into a glowing little orb. 
There are all these no-code animations that make this place feel organic and alive. And Alice is wearing some pretty cool shoes, by the way. Okay, I know I'm mixing up my narratives now, but we are definitely not in Kansas anymore. Your turn to go down the rabbit hole. Build your next web project on Wix Studio, the platform for agencies and enterprises. Nice people. It's a very, very good team. The relationship with all the Hayward team is really very, very good. And also being part of uh, Hayward Group, I have the possibility to work a lot with Patricia Orquiola. Patricia, she's a good friend. We know each other since the beginning of Patricia's uh, uh, career. Also now we are doing some projects together because, uh, you know, no, we take uh, when we do exhibitions uh, between Cappellini and uh, Hayward, we do together. Now we are developing with for Cappellini a very, very interesting uh, new project. And so, so really, I have to say that I'm super happy because uh, I have the possibility to work uh, with a very good uh, team. You talked about succession and you talked about something that I think is really interesting, which is how you, you still work intuitively and instinctively, but with a larger team, which means you know, your agility has to be cooperative, less maybe impulsive. I think there's a lot that we can learn uh, from what you've been through. And I'd really like for you to share that with us. But before we get there, will you tell me a little bit how you've adapted to be able to still follow your gut and you seem to feel the world with a very powerful instinct. And then you have to communicate that out to now a large team when there's a lot of friction there. How, how have you adapted to that process? It's a problem of uh, respect of the other mm-hmm. people and of passion. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that, uh, you know, as I told you, it's the same that I like to work on what they say, global projects. Yeah. But, uh, when they ask me, which is the project that you like more, I say the Capellini project. And to do <laughs> a, a large project of a company. And so, and so you have really to speak, you have really to build this project with the other people. Because I, I think that, you know, if I'm sure that, uh, and I defend what I'm doing, I've not to be afraid of, uh, of the job of other people. Why not? Uh, uh, and th- that's why, you know, I always like also to have a lot of new young people, mm. not only Italian, mm-hmm. also people coming from other parts of the world in, the, in my team because at the moment, you know, it's true, I'm becoming old. And so for me to... Uh, you don't really seem like you're getting with, uh, old, Julio. <laughs> you got energy. <laughs> yeah, but you know, no, no, but you know, for me, that's why I like very much, uh, you know, to have contacts with young students, with young designers. And so because... I really think that really today there is a fantastic new generation that uh, can give to us new ideas and so and yes. so. So really, I think that again, for sure is more complicated today because in the past, okay, I get up in the morning, I decide to make white, I made white and that's it. Now I get up in the morning and maybe I have to, if I want to do white, I have to speak and to discuss with 30 people why we want to do white mm-hmm. instead of black, mm-hmm. you know. But I think that uh, if we want to grow, mm-hmm. if we want to think to the future, we have definitely to work in this way. I don't believe in the role of the star mm-hmm. you know, and all the other people. They have only to say yes. The, the thing that I always say to my team, you know, I, I, I am more and more happy when they criticize something that I'm doing instead if they tell me bravo. 
Ah, because it's discourse. Because then you have a back and forth, and you can really understand why, as a as a group, why you're making that decision. I totally agree with you. Yes, you know they play with me because they always say it, that is is absolutely not true what I'm telling to you. Because they always tell me if we say that you are wrong, you say it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and at the moment to them, <laughs> yes, and at the moment to them, I always say no, no, it's impossible. You are wrong. <laughs> but after, because I think that <laughs> you know. I think that I'm not stupid. I really think of what they told me. And after I sometimes I go back and they say, you know, I have a fantastic idea and this, this, this. And they they play with me saying, you know, is the idea that we told to you a few hours ago. And they say, okay, <laughs> this sort of really friendship, because I'm, again, you know, is uh, sometimes. As people, they say it's not difficult to work, but it's difficult to work with you. Because, <laughs> again, if we have to work uh, 12 hours per day and Saturday and Sunday, we have to do. And the fantastic thing is that if I have a problem, I can call one person of my team at uh, 11 o'clock in the evening or on Sunday morning when he's or she's with the family and they answer to me. And for me, this is something absolutely fantastic. It's a goal. Yes, you've created an enormous global family all working toward a mutual goal. I think it's it's time that we talk about you know some of the hardships that you've you faced in life. You have this enormous family that is your work family and it's built on respect. And so when something doesn't go right there that's it's personal you know yes because uh, this happened because uh, in the year 2000 when i decide uh, to enter into the poltrona Frau group mm-hmm. uh, for sure we had uh, just a company taking care we are checking all the capellini things and so and so and unfortunately at that time you know we discover that this man that worked for was working since uh, 17 years for me and he entered when he was just uh, was taking care of the administration, but for us it was like a part of the family. It was taking care not only of the business of Capellini, but also of all the private finance of the Capellini family. And, you know, the problem is that in his life, in two years, he started to play at the casino, losing a lot, an enormous amount of money. And so he started to, with the, not alone, with a group of other people, not people working at the Capellini company, but people out of the Capellini company. He was taking the money, but he was not pay, paying taxes and so and so. Um. So at the end, we, we discovered this. And for me, you know, it was really something absolutely crazy and but at the time I decided to give everything that I had from my, and, uh, my house, everything to, to the company because I didn't want uh, that the company can go in bankrupt and uh, to have all the workers losing their job so, so let me make sure I understand, a long time friend and employee started with a gambling problem essentially, started siphoning off money from both the Capellini and the Capellini family assets. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, because uh, you know, it was only one playing with the money of Cap- 
because I was I wasn't taking care of the administration because right. I was always on the products and I was traveling for with customers and so and so. But really, the relationship of these men was very very good. And again, it was so good that really was taking care not only of the Capellini company finance but also the finance of the Capellini family. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, when my father died, he gave to him uh, everything what to do. In fact, I think that he take away all some money from my father's oh. <laughs> and at the end this man really started to play to the casino and started to lose a huge amount of money mm-hmm. and you know when you start to do this uh, you you became really crazy and you know it was just taking away money Till the day that we discovered this with this company, with this auditor of the Poltrona Frau Group, that it was one month already into the Capellini company. So it was really crazy. This man disappeared. I was used to say, to tell to myself, I hope to get back not all the all amount, but maybe 20, 30% of the global amount. But this never happened. And, uh, and so, sorry. Obviously, that's a, that's a devastating thing to discover not just because sure, it it sure. jeopardizes your family assets and your and your your business which you is your baby but it's personally devastating as well and it sounds like this person just started digging themselves into a deeper and deeper hole and there may have been not just financial jeopardy there but but you know for me it was really yeah as you told devastating that in one month i lost say, 12 kilos and you know because um, it was that many people they start to say, ah, you know, Capellini has problems because you don't win money during design. Capellini is a visionary. And so this is absolutely not true because if Capellini wasn't making money, this man cannot take away money. That's it, you know. So the Capellini was doing very well at that time. And the second, really, at that time anyway, okay, the first reaction, it was, okay, I kill myself. <laughs> After I to say that looking to my family, to my my wife and to make it say really to and looking to some friends because I have to to tell you that in this moment you can discover who are the real friends mm. and who just follow you only till when they you need to them you know? mm-hmm. and that's it and also so it was really a very very difficult period but again you know I'm also always used to say okay what is next we have to look to the future and it's true when you say that for me that moment is like this moment like we are living today yes. with the virus with all the problems but to say that I'm really very positive I have to say that really Again, the moment that uh, we are living today is maybe um, the worst moment of contemporary history. But uh, we have to find the energy to look to the future, for sure to a future that it will be different from the past. But again, I think that the most important thing is to be ready to adapt, maybe not to change our life, but to adapt our life to this new situation. And again is what I made 15 years ago. And I have to say for sure, I lose a lot of money. And at that time, I understood that you can live with $1,000 and you can live also with $100. On the other side, really 
I understood who were my real friends and who wasn't my real friends. And uh, so I found uh, the power to go ahead and uh, that's it. And uh, for me, really, the, the respect from many people, it was uh, really the, the power that gave me the, 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 the real power to go, to go ahead and that's it. Well, you are. It's life. Yeah, it, it it is life. But your your attitude and your optimism, I think, are part and parcel of what you're famous for, which is having um, an ability to spot long sellers versus best sellers. In that, yes. and you you have a very long view, I think, in terms of your life, your business, and even these these roller coaster, these deep plummets on the roller coaster of life you still look to the next peak, which I think is one sure. of your superpowers. Fortunately, you know, I always think that what we are doing, we don't need to use too many words to explain what we are doing. Because if we spend more than 50 words to explain a project on which we are working is because we are not 100% convinced of what we are doing. I really think that we have the possibility to show to the people what we, uh, what we think, which is our concept, our idea, just doing uh, things. And I think that this is, again, the most important thing. And uh, Really, I always say that there is something new to invent. Sometimes, and it's the thing that I always tell to the students of to the young designers, because many times people, they say, oh, everything has been done in design, and so and so, and they say, no, that is absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. There are really millions of new things to do, because also, you know, to do design is not only to design a table and a chair or a sofa, but today you can design really thousands of uh, beautiful objects, and also I think that the role of people working in creativity and in designer is not only to make uh, useful and beautiful product, but also to make people dreaming mm -hmm. and smiling. I think that this is, again, something very important. And coming back... To, to connect what, to their uh, emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, without emotion, it's, it's nothing, Sad. you know. <laughs> and also back, and back to what you were saying. Sure, I like to work on, on long sellers. I always said that design creates best sellers, good design creates long sellers. Because, you know, I think that is a sort of guarantee for the end consumer to see a product, maybe in a different color, with a different texture, and so in the market after 20, 30 years. Because people, they say, wow, if this product is still in the market, is really good. And they think that in this particular historical moment, we really need of the heritage. We want to be secure. We want to be, you know, we need of uh, this kind of objects that uh, they became part of our life. Mm -hmm. So I think that the idea, the concept of objects uh, really timeless uh, is absolutely very important. And It's multi-generational like families. You wouldn't want to be in a family with no parents and grandparents. <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. And also, you know, I think that after this period, because it's really a terrible period, and we have to say that, yeah, okay, on one side, people that are suffering or are dying and so, but on the other side, no, a lot of people, they, they lost their job, and really, so we will have, we have already, and we will have many, many problems in the future. But uh, I think that this is my idea. Maybe I'm completely wrong. That maybe people they will buy less product, but uh, more uh, not take. Uh, 
take away not uh, products uh, using and uh, throw away, mm-hmm. but uh, really products that became part of their life. No? Yes. And so I think that there will be just a sort of changement uh, in the idea, in the concept of buying objects from the, the final customers. This is my idea. Maybe I'm wrong. Eh? No, but I, I hear you. And I feel it too. There's going to be an adjustment from the consumer mentality towards fast, cheap, and disposable Absolutely. toward an investment in things that can be with them, that they can form attachments to, and that represent not only the, this moment in time, but the past and possibly the future. If these objects have a longevity to them, then they don't feel... S- then we do too. Then we can connect to our own longevity. Yes, that is absolutely true. And also we have to think that for sure people, they will uh, travel less, uh, they will uh, go less uh, at the restaurants, uh, they will have less vacation, they will buy less fashion clothes, they will have less uh, social moments. And so so people, they will stay at home more and they will understand you know, how important it is to live in a nice uh, house and so on. So I see in this moment, uh, all the people are really... Also, maybe if, again, they have no budget, no money, so, but they are living a lot at home and they are understanding if they need to change something in their own home, how to adapt their house also to the idea that they can work at home and so and so. So also, from this point of view, there will be a lot uh, from, for design to do in the next future. Mm-hmm. It's not that due to the virus, the design is dead. I don't believe this really. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your insight with us. And I think one of the important things about this format that we're talking here is that people get to hear your story in your own voice. It it allows them to connect to you personally and to sort of feel a deeper connection to the objects through knowing you and hearing your passion. Would you also share with our listeners a little about just Julio, you and your your private life. I know you've mentioned you have three children and a wife, so there's a family there. You're, we're having this phone call. You're in Switzerland. Paint the picture for me of like Julio. What do you eat for breakfast? Things like for that. For sure. Okay, now they, they, my kids are one. She's 29, 25, and 22. So for sure they have their own life. No? Yes. Because sometimes, you know, I like to have their, all of them at home and so so, but it's absolutely not true. It is my game. Normally we are in Milano, but. Um, Gerita, she's my third. She lives in Paris and so, and Costanza, she lives with uh, her boyfriend and so, so really, but for me, family is absolutely very, very important. It's the most important thing, again, you know, uh, thinking to the past, uh, to the horrible period of my life, I think that without my family, I don't know what, what I can do, really. Mm-hmm. I like very normal things, and uh, this is the same for my family and for my friends, too. Okay, for my business. Uh, I have to be sometimes social. Also, if I, I am not just one person that is uh, every evening to a party mm-hmm. or uh, no, absolutely. And uh, really, I like the very simple things. I like to share my life with my family, to have a pizza together and also to share my my time also with my best friends. There are really few people not only involved in design. Eh? Okay, because Piero is a very good friend of mine, like Rodolfo Dordoni, because we study together. They are good friends and they are also architects and designers but I've also really other friends that are not involved in design business for example you know 
I'm a very good friend of Piero Gandini. He's uh, the ex-owner of Fluff Company. But with Piero, when we are used to, to meet each other, we never speak about business, about design, but we speak about other things, can be art or can be travels and so and so. But really coming back to myself, no, sometimes the people, they think that uh, I'm not uh, enough open to the people, but maybe it's because I like to have my own privacy. Sure. And really uh, to live my private life in a very easy way, because again, you know, normally a part of this period, I travel a lot because yeah. I travel more or less 100 days in a year worldwide. And so it's quite a lot. So many times I don't spend my weekend at home because I use the weekend for the long trips to Asia or North mm. America and so, and so And I like anyway very much uh, to travel. But on the other side, you know, when at home, uh, really, I like to do very, very simple things. And for me, um, again, the relationship, the human relationship is really very, very important. Uh, if I have uh, really maybe to choose if uh, to have a, an easy pizza with some friends or to go to something super social, if I can, I choose the easy pizza. <laughs> with my friends and, and so this is my life well i i love that and i sincerely hope there are many easy pizzas in the near future would you do me a favor would you would you look around the room that you're in right now and sh share with me just a simple non-capellini object that you enjoy or that is part of your everyday? Yes, yes, because, you know, really, uh, I have to say that uh, this is also in my Milano house. I don't have, uh, it's not just a 100% Capellini house. Mm -hmm. I have some whole pieces from the 60s and uh, I, have, uh, I have some unique pieces maybe some uh, designers, some friends, they made for me. And, uh, you know, also I like very much contemporary art. Yes. I have a great passion for contemporary art. And so if I look here, for example, okay, there is uh, an old small table by Zarin and Forknoll, the white one, with some objects on top. And also here, I like to mix different objects, contemporary objects with maybe old Chinese potteries and so. And uh, there is, uh, in another the corner of this room there is the sacco from Zanotta and there is uh, an old Ritfield armchair there is uh, a few Jasper Morrison chairs from Capellini so when they ask me which how is your house I always say the cows like my life <laughs> you know because uh, again you know uh, I think that uh, the, your home has to reflect your own personality mm -hmm. you know I, I think that also if I like very much contemporary art but for For me, the most important thing is that uh, really a house has to be alive, not can be just like a museum. And those have books everywhere because I love books. But I'm not 100% technological and so I still like a lot of paper. Yes. And really, I prefer to read a book on, uh, on a real book in paper than on a, on a computer. <laughs> and so really I have bookshelves and books everywhere also on the floor. And uh, I've really thousand, thousand, thousand. <laughs> Of books <laughs> in my studio, in my house, in my house on the lake, everywhere. I love it. You've been interviewed a lot, a lot, a lot over the years. 
Is there anything that you'd like to say that no one has asked? In the past, when they were doing, the, they were interviewing me. Uh, maybe they were asking only about design. No? Mm -hmm. Now more and more people are curious to know which car I like, if I prefer like uh, pasta or risotto, <laughs> and, so, and so. No, no. I, maybe I want to speak about my dreams. No, if yes. I wasn't just an architect or an architect, what I want to do. But you know, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, one of my dreams, and maybe I hope I can do in the future, is to do books, uh, books only with images, because uh, I think that a beautiful image can, everyone can understand, because no? mm -hmm. uh, if you, something is written, for sure, we have many, many different uh, languages in the world no? mm -hmm. and maybe if it's written in Italian American people they cannot understand uh, and if it's uh, written in uh, Indian uh, mm -hmm. you know uh, Italian people they cannot understand but I think that really uh, a beautiful uh, image uh, really everyone can understand you know? a sort of word without words but only with images and so this is one of my dream and uh, second I like very much movies also, if normally when I go to see a movie, I look more to the interior than to the history of the movie, no? In fact, really. I would love for you to do production design. Oh, my God, you just blew my mind. Yeah. That would be amazing. We need to make this happen, universe. <laughs> we need to make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that a uh, few years ago, uh, you know, I was uh, working, I, I made just a project for Walt Disney. And so I spent a few uh, days in uh, the Walt Disney headquarters. No? And for me, it was really an incredible experience because in these buildings, and it seemed that Mr. Disney was always uh, walking on, uh, on the corridors. And, you know, I spent one day looking to the old drawings in this uh, uh, room with the white gloves, taking all the old drawings on the Fantasia, no? mm -hmm. the, the, the beautiful movie of Walt Disney. And for me, it was like a dream. It was uh, really crazy. Wow. And it was an incredible experience because uh, I always think that, you know, you can really find it. I got a lot of inspiration because I think that really, you know, you can get inspiration from everything and everywhere. This is, uh, again, very, very important. So I always say that, you know, I have a long list to do in my present life, but I, I have also a long list of things that I will like to do in my next life. Yes! <laughs> so we will see. <laughs> Again, we have always, you know, having to look to the future and that's it. <laughs> you have too much energy for one lifetime, Julia. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll think to the next one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Good, good. Well, is there something, you know, in the hopper right now in the pipeline that you'd like to let our listeners know to look out for? A current project? Really, the project on which I'm working is, uh, again, because uh, normally, okay, when we think to, to a product, we think to a new table, a new chair, a new sofa, and so on. So. Now, the thing that we're working with a young team of students and designers coming from different parts of Europe, also from Eastern Europe, because in Eastern Europe, there is also a new generation of very, very interesting young designers. Mm -hmm. And we're working on what they call a landscape. Uh, can be a domestic or can be just a landscape for an office or for a lounge and so, and so for sure again i like to work on global projects so on this landscape for sure we have piece of furniture but my 
idea is to try to understand how people will live in the future and also to think to the new generation, the new generation that they live in the Silicon Valley, the new young Chinese generation and so so. So I'm trying to work on this project that I think that is quite interesting because it's not only to say, okay, we do another chair, we do another table. There are already thousands of beautiful tables and chairs and stuff in the market. So, but really to try to give, and this is not a concept of lifestyle, eh, but to try to work on this landscape of our, for the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is really very important. And again, it's very important to work on this project, playing with uh, different people coming from different parts of the world and with a different attitude to design. Mm-hmm. Yes, that diversity and that inclusiveness yeah. is something that's always been a part of, of you and your perspective. Julio, I just want to thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared with us. It has been a really great pleasure. Thank you, really. Thanks, uh, really, a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, I hope that in the next future we have the possibility to meet in the real life. No, I, uh, I hope so, too. I, I, as I always say that for sure in the next future, we will be back to shake our hands and uh, yes. this, uh, the human relationship. And I think that we are discovering how much human relationship is important, you know. Yes. Now we are living in a virtual way, but when we will be back to the real way, we will re- re- rediscover for sure all these fantastic relationships. Yes, Good. wonderful to see the sparkle in your eye and the smile on your face <laughs> in person. There's nothing like it. <laughs> so thank you so much Good. for sharing sharing your heart and soul with us. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks for listening. To see images from Giulio and Capolini and read the show notes, click the link in the details of this episode on your podcast app or go to cleverpodcast.com where you can also sign up for our newsletter. Subscribe to Clever on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would, please do us a favor and rate and review. It totally helps us. We love chatting with you on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Clever Podcast, and you can find me at Amy Devers. Clever is produced by 2VDE Media, with editing by Rich Straffolino and music by L1011. Clever is proudly distributed by Design Milk. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.